Hello, and welcome to the Fuel Run Recover podcast, helping everyday runners fuel better, run smarter, and recover faster so you can reach your full performance potential. I'm your host, Stephanie Natchek, dietitian, fitness coach, and a fellow runner too. As the owner of Stephanie Natchek Performance Nutrition, I've spent the last 10 years helping runners learn to fuel their bodies, level up their running performance, and establish healthier relationships with food and exercise. If you're ready to reconnect with your love of running, then let's get started on today's episode. All right. So before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to invite you to check out a few great free resources that I created just for runners. To get them, all you have to do is click on the link in the show notes or visit www.stephanienachuk.com. If you visit my website, there's a little pop-up box that comes up and it'll prompt you to enter your email address and these guides will be sent right to your inbox. The first guide is my fueling guide for runners. So in this resource, you'll find my top fueling tips for runners, as well as some specific meal ideas for both your pre and post run fuel. If you've been struggling to understand what to eat when to support your running and just figuring out like what those meal ideas, like what those meals look like, what kind of foods you should be including before versus after you run, what the difference is between pre and post run fueling, then this guide is exactly what you need to get you started on the right path. The other guide that I created is my strength training guide for runners. So this guide includes both a PDF resource, has some tips, guidelines, and links to my YouTube series where I actually walk you through all of the exercises in the program. This is a great beginner strength training guide for runners who want an effective but efficient full body workout that helps support the key muscles and movements you need to run stronger and injury free. So once again, both of these guides are available together. I have them put together as a little bundle for you. You can just click on the link in the show notes or go over to www.stephanienatchek.com, enter your email address just the one time, and both of these free guides will get sent to your inbox right away. I hope you enjoy these resources and find them helpful in supporting you and your running. And now let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, we are going to talk about why you might be feeling so hungry as a runner. I've got a list of different reasons why you might be feeling so hungry, either just in general as a runner, or why you might be noticing a really dramatic increase in hunger when you start to do more training. So as you increase your training volume, you enter into a race training cycle, maybe you're preparing for a half marathon or a marathon or an ultra marathon, and why you might find that, you know, as you start to increase your mileage, increase your volumes, your hunger just becomes insatiable. You just feel like you're just, you know, a hungry monster who wants to be eating all the time. And I want to talk about some of the reasons why this might be happening for you. And then, of course, I'm going to share how we can fix it so that you can be fueling your body the way you need to as a runner to make sure that you're supporting your body's needs, you're supporting optimal performance and recovery, making sure that you're not increasing your risk of injury or getting into some issues with uh, overtraining essentially because of a lack of fueling, you know, that balance between nutrition and training and recovery and, and making sure that you're not uh, setting yourself up for some struggles or, or some failure along the way 
by not meeting your nutrition requirements. And so struggling with hunger as a runner is something that I hear really, really commonly. And it's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of runners eventually seek out working with me as, as a running dietitian, because, you know, I'm trying to do all of this running. I'm trying to be healthier. Maybe I'm trying to run to lose weight, but every time I increase my training volume, every time I get into a race cycle, I just, you know, can't seem to get enough to eat. And then I notice that I'm gaining a lot of weight or I'm snacking all the time, or I'm making food choices that are based on speed, like, you know, how quickly can the uh, the skip the dishes driver get here or maybe convenience, like I'm just going into the cupboard and, and eating like whatever I can find. I'm just, you know, so ravenous making decisions based on those things versus making, you know, smart decisions about our eating based on nutrition and what our bodies really need in the moment. And as I mentioned, this is one of the reasons why there are some runners who report gaining weight when they are marathon training. You know, it's one of the common things that we see is that when we increase our running volume, we have this increase in hunger that sometimes can not quite match the amount of running we're doing. So, you know, if you if you think about our training volume and our hunger sort of in relation to each other, you know, almost like like maybe a teeter-totter or a seesaw, as our running volume increases, ideally our hunger would just increase to sort of match and we would just be able to balance our eating choices and balance our our calorie in and out and energy balance, you know, just intuitively. When we're not running as much, our volumes are lower, we would naturally feel less hungry. And it would just be this reliable thing that when we run more, we know we need to eat more and we can just follow our hunger signals and it's all very easy and doesn't require a lot of you know thought or extra intention. And while that's a beautiful idea in theory, and it would be great if everyone's bodies worked that way, living in the real world makes it a little bit more complicated. And there's a few reasons why. The first is that, of course, we have an abundance of really tasty, convenient food available to us. That doesn't always satisfy the fullness or the the satiety signals in our brain. So there are certain foods that we eat that can give us quite a few calories, but they don't actually trigger our body physically or our brain to feel full. And so they're just easy foods to to overeat on. And these are a lot of, you know, kind of our, our more highly processed foods or snack foods where we can see this happening. The other thing is that our appetite hormones can be influenced by things like stress hormones, influenced by sleep, you know, getting enough sleep, not getting enough sleep, and of course, the stress and the demands of training. So just kind of going by our natural hunger and fullness cues is something that we want to rely on as much as we possibly can when it comes to our eating as runners. Like we definitely want to be in a position where we can eat mostly very intuitively, but there's always going to be a little bit of oversight or intention that needs to go into our nutrition because we want to be aware that those natural hugger signals are not always the most reliable, just depending on what's happening with our bodies and with our training. So our focus today is to talk about why you as a runner might be so hungry all the time. But I also do want to touch on the flip side, and I will later in the episode today, 
talk about runners who have the opposite problem, which is that they never feel hungry. And this can be just as problematic when it comes to performance, when it comes to weight and body composition, and when it comes to uh, some of the other symptoms and signs of low energy availability that these runners can be struggling with. Because, you know, if we never feel hungry, then the assumption is that we must be eating enough, we must be getting enough calories and enough energy, otherwise our body would tell us something is wrong, right? And again, just like on the other side, uh, sometimes we can be feeling excessive hunger, we can also feel no hunger at all, and it's not always a reliable indicator of what's really going on with our calorie balance in terms of the food that we're eating. So the first reason that you might be feeling so hungry as a runner is because your meals are just too small. You just aren't eating enough food. And this is a, a you know a common one, a basic one. It might seem a little bit obvious as you're listening to this. You're like, yeah, does stuff like, come on. But it's surprising, I think, how often I can be sitting down, I can be talking to a runner. We'll be doing that food recall as part of their, you know, initial assessment, or we'll be, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's happening, and we're talking about their their nutrition, and their day of eating goes something like this, you know, for breakfast they might have a protein shake, they might have a single slice of toast, maybe a slice of toast and one egg. Lunch will be a salad, maybe with some protein on it, maybe like a salad with chicken or a salad with tuna. Or maybe something like some vegetables and hummus, maybe a piece of fruit. For a snack in the afternoon, they might have a handful of almonds. And then dinner at the end of the day is going to be protein and vegetables. And this is a pretty common food record or food recall that I'll hear from a lot of runners. This is how much they're eating in the course of a whole day. And part of it is because, you know, for a lot of, of people listening, a lot of you listening, you might think to yourself, that sounds like a perfectly healthy, super clean, really like great eating plan. But if you're running regularly, this is probably the amount of food that I want you eating by lunchtime. And even then, it's still low in carbs. Like, it's still not very much carb, even if you were eating all of this by lunchtime. But with, you know, the popular diets of today and a lot of the diet culture that floats around, these teeny tiny little meals and, you know, a snack being 10 almonds, and that's supposed to, like, fill us up in the afternoon for a few hours, or just being able to base our entire diet around green, like, salad greens and protein using protein shakes as a meal replacement. And I don't mean a meal replacement shake that has fats and, and carbohydrates and, and other stuff in it, but just like, you know, your whey protein powder with water kind of thing. We've sort of been told by a lot of these popular diets that that's a meal, you know, that's what you should have as like your post-workout breakfast or, you know, just a green salad with a little bit of chicken on it is a perfectly balanced lunch option. And yeah, are there some people who can get away with this much food and that's an appropriate amount of food for their bodies? For sure. 
but I will absolutely guarantee you that those people are not runners. And those people are certainly not marathon runners or in a training cycle for a race because this amount of food, I don't know, maybe you're lucky to get a thousand or maybe 1300 calories here. That is half of the amount of nutrition that runners need in a day, even less than half for a large majority of them. So the first reason that you might be feeling hungry is just that you're not eating enough, not eating enough in terms of your meal size, not eating enough, of course, in terms of your calories. The second issue can be that you're not eating often enough. And I see this really a lot of intermittent fasting, for example, and we don't have our eating window overlapping with our training window. So we're doing a a long daily fast. And, you know, I would say a longer fast would be more than 12 hours for runners. So if we're doing a lot of intermittent fasting, longer daily fasts um, that require us to do most of our training while we're fasted, then this is, of course, where we can start to see some issues with runners who just aren't eating often enough to get in the fuel and tick off all of those boxes for nutrition. And again, when it comes to the adequacy of why we might be feeling so hungry all the time, even if those meals are balanced, if we're only allowing ourselves to eat maybe once a day, even the most perfectly balanced meal in the world is not going to give us even a fraction, or maybe a fraction, but just a fraction of the nutrition that we require just because of that lack of eating frequency. So then what tends to happen here is someone maybe doesn't feel super hungry during their fasting window, but then once they start eating, they have that meal, they break their fast, and then it's a lot of hunger in the hours that come after that. It's a lot of excess hunger, you know, generally into the evenings, but the most popular eating pattern for intermittent fasting that I see out there is the late time restricted eating, which is where you fast from the evening until like midday the next day and you're eating all of your calories, you know, anywhere between like noon and say seven or 8 PM or something like that. Some people will do like two to eight or whatever, but you're eating your calories in the afternoon and into the evening. That's, that's a really common one that I see with the intermittent fasting. Now, of course, not everybody who doesn't eat often enough is doing it because they intentionally are intermittent fasting uh, or trying to do you know, some sort of diet that requires meal skipping. A lot of people are very busy, especially in the mornings or during the workday, and tend to skip a lot of meals just out of the inconvenience of having to plan, prepare, or stop what we're doing throughout the day in order to eat and fuel ourselves. So one of the reasons that we might be feeling very, very hungry throughout the day as runners or hungry in the evening as runners is because we've let the day sort of get away from us. We haven't really planned or we haven't taken the time, whether that's because you have control over your schedule because you don't. And ultimately, we're skipping a lot of meals throughout the week or throughout the day. And so then when we do eat, even if those meals are relatively balanced, even if those meals are very nutritious They've got that mix of carbs and protein and fiber and all of that. It's just not enough because we're not eating often enough. The third reason that you might be feeling really hungry is because your your meals aren't actually balanced. And this is, you know, often a situation where maybe someone's eating a pretty good amount of food. You know, thinking back to the example I shared 
of say a protein shake at breakfast, a little salad at lunch, handful of almonds in the afternoon, protein and vegetables for dinner. You know, let's say that the volume of food is pretty good. These are big salads. These are big plates of vegetables and protein. This is a maybe two scoops of protein and a protein shake. You know, like it seems if, if you look at it kind of by volume, it seems like there's a, a good amount of food here. Like it's a it's a big salad. It's a big plate of food. But sometimes it's a lack of balance on our plates and it's a lack of, of variety with the specific foods that we're choosing that can actually lead us to not feeling full and satisfied for long enough after a meal. And this is because different macronutrients serve a different purpose for us. So for example, protein, of course, most people are pretty aware of the importance of protein and a lot of people are very focused on getting protein in their diet. I will say though that I meet a lot of people who do not do a great job of getting protein in in the mornings. So breakfast might be, you know, say maybe a couple pieces of toast or a bowl of cereal or a smoothie that's made with like fruits and veggies and almond milk, but that's it. And so sometimes protein at breakfast is a big issue that people are lacking. For the rest of the day though, it's often carbohydrates that are going to be missing. So the purpose of protein is to keep us full and satisfied. So protein, when we eat protein, it slows our digestion. It takes a while for protein to digest. And so this helps us to feel full for a longer period of time after a meal, which is great. Protein also sends a signal from the digestive tract, from the gut, to the brain that tells the brain that we've eaten. So we get this, this signal, this satisfaction signal that goes from the stomach to the brain that says, yeah, we're, we're good. We've eaten. We're fine. And so that's really important. And this is uh, part of the reason why protein is such a key nutrient is, of course, because all the things that it does in our bodies, we need protein for building tissues, repair, recovery. You know, there's so many, so many functions of protein. But also when we actually have protein at a meal, it's helping us to feel full for longer. So that's really key. If you're someone who eats, uh, you know, a small, maybe a more carb-focused breakfast, and you find that you're hungry right away after breakfast, like, and I, I hear this from people all the time, if you eat breakfast, you are hungrier sooner than if you don't eat breakfast, then I'd really be looking at where's the protein coming in at breakfast for you. The second thing we need to have a balanced plate, of course, is our carbohydrates. And piggybacking with our carbohydrates is going to be our fiber. So carbohydrates are our body's main source of fuel, and it's our primary fuel when we're running. So when we're running or we're doing, you know, a lot of different workouts, any of the high-intensity workouts, carbohydrates are required in order to fuel that training. What a lot of people don't realize, though, is that we don't only need carbs when we are actually doing a workout. It's not like outside of training, our body has a zero requirement for carbohydrates, and then only when we exercise do we need the carbohydrates. We actually are using carbs for energy 24-7. In particular, it's our brain that is the biggest user of carbohydrates at rest. So throughout the day, as you're sitting here, just taken in this podcast, as I'm sitting here recording this podcast, 
you know, our bodies are very active. Our bodies are still doing tons of things, you know, everything from just simply thinking and breathing and our heart beating and our, you know, the coordination of all of these different body systems producing enzymes and hormones and neurotransmitters and like all of this stuff that all adds up to our body's metabolism, our, our metabolic rate. Carbohydrates are going to be supplying fuel to the brain in order to support all of that stuff happening. And so if we're lacking carbs in our diet, then we can feel hungry frequently throughout the day because the brain is sending out that signal to say, we don't have enough energy. We are low in fuel. You need to go find some. And this is one of the things that makes carbohydrates really an important part of that balanced plate, especially for runners who then are using more carbohydrate during their workouts, that demand and that requirement for carbohydrates is even higher than it would be for people who, who don't really exercise. Now, most of our higher carbohydrate foods, most of our plant foods are what give us fiber. And fiber is really important as well for keeping us full. And this is when we're talking about the quality of the carbohydrates that we choose as being a really important part of a healthy diet. The quality of our carbs really comes back down to the fiber that they provide us and the nutrients that they provide us. So if you imagine, you know, opening up a can of pop and drinking a can of pop, you're getting carbohydrates, but you're not getting nutrients. You're not getting fiber. So you drink that can of pop, you're not going to feel full. Like your body isn't going to be like, oh yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that meal. You know, it's, it's just sugar and nothing else. But if you were to have the same amount of carbohydrate in the form of say a plate of uh, salad and sweet potatoes and, you know, maybe a piece of fruit, uh, you know, a, a few hundred, a uh, few hundred calories worth of carbs of, of like whole foods, plant foods, there's going to be a significant difference in how full and satisfied you feel after eating that versus drinking a can of pop, even though the carbohydrate amount could be equated, like even though it would be the same amount of carbohydrate between the two foods, there's a big difference in the fullness and satisfaction and the nutrients we get from those two different carbohydrate options. Now, as runners, there is a time and place for those fast-acting carbohydrates, right? Our sports gels, our sports drinks, um, you know, the energy chews, the stuff we take right before or during workouts, and that's because we need and want that quick energy. So carbohydrate quality matters in regard to our day-to-day meals and trying to fill up on higher fiber foods to keep us full and satisfied between meals. But we can't then assume that there's never a time and a place for those quick acting carbohydrates because we need those as well. Eating, you know, some of those higher fiber foods, say during a workout, we just don't get the energy fast enough. And so we might find that we're crashing or hitting the wall or getting GI issues because of the amount of fiber that's in there. And the reason for that is because fiber keeps us full. Fiber is what provides volume to the plant foods that we eat. So it's what is making up the structure of those plants. And so we eat, say, you know, a, a plate of vegetables or we have some fruit or some whole grains and we're getting a lot of fiber out of those foods along, of course, with the carbohydrates and other nutrients. 
Now, the fiber slows down our digestion. So just like protein, fiber is slower to digest. And so in doing that, it helps to keep us full. In being slow to digest, taking up a lot of space in our stomach and in our digestive system, it is giving us that satisfaction, that fullness for longer. Fiber is also incredibly important for the health and the function of our gut microbiome. Our gut microbiome is the bacteria. Uh, It's often referred more correctly as the gut microbiota, kind of encompassing not just the bacteria, but all the other microorganisms that uh, thrive inside of our digestive tract. And those microbiota organisms, they eat fiber and fiber is what fuels them. So we don't get very much in terms of calories from fiber. We don't break down, digestively speaking, most of the fibers from the plant foods that we eat, but our gut microbiota certainly does. And it thrives on a high fiber diet, which then in turn gives us a lot of health benefits. So we definitely want to include fiber on our plate as a staple at all of our meals, along with protein, so that we can feel full, feel satisfied for longer, and of course, get in the balance of nutrients that we need. Now, the great thing is that a lot of our higher fiber foods are also going to come along with plenty of carbohydrates. Specifically, it's going to be our grain foods. So whether that's rice, quinoa, pasta, bread, etc. That's going to be our fruits, our starchy vegetables like potatoes, sweet potatoes, corn, uh, some other types of squash. And of course, our lentils, beans, chickpeas, uh, those foods as well in the pulse family. So those are all some great places that we can get carbohydrates, but also some really great fiber sources. Our non-starchy vegetables, all of our like green vegetables, our salad greens, cucumbers, celery, bell peppers, uh, carrots, you know, that that category of non-starchy vegetables, they give us small amounts of carbohydrates. They do have a little bit, but not as much as we would get from the foods that I, that I already mentioned. So they're still great. But as a runner, I wouldn't rely on non-starchy vegetables to meet our entire carbohydrate requirement. You would need to eat so much of these foods in order to get enough carbs that you probably are going to run into some issues with just space in your stomach to actually be able to eat that much food. And then also we can run into issues with digestive distress, digestive issues because we are trying to eat way more fiber than our bodies can handle compared to the amount of carbohydrate we're actually getting in. So this, of course, is where it comes back to the conversation around balance, right? None of these foods should be eaten in isolation. We don't only need protein. We don't only need carbs. We don't only need fiber. We need all of these things together, in order to give ourselves the energy we need, the fuel we need, the recovery and repair that our bodies need, and of course, the fullness and the satisfaction that we need for in-between meals. Now, I have to also add in a comment about dietary fats, right? Because fat is also a key macronutrient, very important in terms of the fuel that it provides us. Fat is the fuel that we burn at rest and during low intensity exercise primarily. So fat is something that's also really key and a a good chunk of our daily calories should be coming from fat. The great thing though, is that fat 
can be added, right? So fat can come in terms of like cooking oils that we eat. It can come from like salad dressings. It can come, you know, in, in the sense of those like added fats that we put into our food or add to our food. But fat is also found in, you know, good amounts, good quantities of fat naturally in a lot of different foods. So we find fat in nuts and seeds, in meat, fatty fish like salmon, egg yolks, avocado, very, very small amounts of fat are found in things like grains and fruits and vegetables and pulses. Those are, those are very low fat foods, but there's a lot of, of natural fats that we can get from these whole food sources. Oh, cheese, of course, dairy products can often be a good source of fat for us. So fat is also something that is slow to digest. It comes along with fat soluble nutrients, and it can also help to keep us full after a meal. Only trade-off with fat is that it's much higher in calories per gram than protein and carbs are. So we will be full for longer, but if we are focused a lot on fat in our diet, then portion sizes become really important because we just get more calories as a whole from fats versus our other nutrients. So a balanced meal is going to include all of these things. We need some carbs, fiber, protein, and fats. They're all important in their own unique way. And if we're missing some component of those nutrients, if we're missing a big chunk of that, of that meal, then we can feel hungry more often despite eating what seems like a good amount of food. Now, a couple of little exceptions here would be something like our pre-run meal where we do want that to be more focused on carbohydrates, especially ones that are a little bit quicker to digest and having a lot of fat, protein, fiber, right before we do something like go for a run may cause us some GI distress. So when I'm talking about these balanced plates, I really mean in the context of like, you know, your day-to-day, kind of your normal meals in between running and training, not necessarily what you eat right before you go for a run. So just something to keep in mind there. And then the fourth reason that you might be feeling really hungry throughout the day is because you are drinking more calories than eating them. And what I mean by this is if a lot of our daily meals, and I'm going to use the term meal fairly loosely, and you'll see why, uh, something like a lot of protein shakes, especially whey protein shakes, uh, smoothies, or a lot of meals that are, are like soups, especially like, of course, your broth soups. And this can lead to a lack of satisfaction at meals because the physical like process of chewing food actually increases our fullness and our satisfaction when we eat. So having to take the time to actually chew food, you know, just that slower process of consuming calories and eating a meal is very different than drinking a protein shake or drinking a smoothie. Now, for some people, it may, they may not notice a huge difference. I certainly do. You know, personally, if I just have like a smoothie for breakfast, I am definitely hungry a lot sooner than if I even eat yogurt and fruit, you know, blending it up. Um, you know, the calories are probably not that different in my smoothie versus in my bowl of fruit and yogurt, but just the process of having to like eat it and, and to like chew it makes a huge difference for me. And, and maybe it's something you've noticed as well. This doesn't mean that there is not value in having something like a shake or a smoothie or a bowl of soup. These are all still, you know, can be very nutritious, very good options. But what I would uh, encourage 
is just to include something solid, you know, a little bit of solid food, something to go along with those liquids that you happen to be consuming. Now, of course, this is this is twofold, right? I mean, these liquids are, we're not having to chew them or, or anything like that. So definitely there's a lack of fullness and satisfaction that can go along with that. But also sometimes these liquid meals are very, very low in calories. You know, I talked before about meals just being too small. Something like a protein shake, like a scoop of whey protein powder is only about 120 calories per scoop. So that's not a meal. Like, I'm sorry, it's just not, right? It has no fiber, it has no carbs, it has no fat, and it's only 120 calories of of protein. Whey protein in particular is a quick digesting protein, as far as protein goes. I mean, it's slower to digest, of course, than carbohydrates are. But on the grand kind of scheme of protein options, uh, whey protein is actually very quick to digest and absorb which makes it a great option for after a workout when we want that protein to be digested quickly so we can start those recovery processes sooner. But having a protein shake, you know, say for lunch or as an afternoon snack, we're just not going to be full for very long. And it's something that is very, very low in calories. Same goes for a bowl of like vegetable soup, right? Just a bowl of vegetable soup. It's not a meal. It's very low in calories. It's lacking fat. It's lacking carbs it's lacking protein. And so adding something like a sandwich or a wrap to that bowl of soup is going to give you the balance that we're looking for to make sure that you're ticking off all those nutrient boxes and having a really uh, filling and satisfying meal. So as I promised, the other thing that I wanted to touch on today is what happens when we don't feel hungry ever, when we have no appetite. So I mentioned, you know, that a lot of runners struggle with feeling hungry all the time and, you know, have a really difficult time with, you know, weight and managing that within a training cycle and all of these things, snacking and, and all of that stuff. But there's also a good number of runners that I talk to who their problem is the complete opposite. They never feel hungry. And the idea that they have to eat a lot more, eat more often, have bigger meals, get in a bigger variety of foods is really challenging to tackle because they don't know how they're possibly going to do that when they have no appetite. And it's a harder issue to tackle because we're not getting those signals or those kind of warning signs from the body that we're not eating enough. And so sometimes the assumption is that, well, I must be eating enough. This must be a good amount of fuel for me because otherwise I would be hungry, right? Like my body should be reliably giving me these, these correct signals. And as I said at the beginning of this episode, that isn't always the case. You know, our body's natural hunger and fullness cues, we sometimes need to work and train them to be more reliable. If we've been doing a lot of dieting, if we've been doing a lot of fasting, if we've been doing a lot of manipulation with what we eat and when we eat and and stuff like that, we've forced ourselves to become very disconnected from those natural hunger and fullness cues. And for many people, this goes way back to childhood, you know, situations where we were sometimes encouraged or even, I dare say, forced to finish a meal because it was on our plate, right? It didn't matter if you were full, you had to finish your plate of food or, you know, being given food as a reward for good behavior. 
It didn't matter if you were full or hungry or not, you wanted that treat. And, you know, these are, are some things where from a very, very young age, we are completely disconnected from our hunger and fullness cues. Then we enter dieting and diet culture world, which many of us live in for a very long period of time. And we just completely, con we continue to completely disconnect ourselves from our body's natural hunger and fullness cues. We are taught over and over and over again that, no, you should follow this diet plan. You should limit your calories. You should ignore your hunger. You should fill up on coffee or gum or take these pills or, or do all of these things to make sure that you are not feeling hunger, not giving into your hunger, not, not eating when you're hungry. And so then when we come around and we say, well, why aren't you hungry ever? And it's like, well, obviously we're not hungry because we've spent years or maybe even decades trying to become disconnected from feeling hungry, trying to ignore and stifle our hunger signal so that we can eat less. And so now then, you know, you've, you've got me coming into the playing field and saying to you as a runner, no, actually, you know, you're eating half of what you need to be to fuel your training. We need to dramatically increase your calorie intake. And it's like, how on earth am I ever going to do that when I never, ever actually feel hungry? And it's a process, you know, it's not, it's, we never just double someone's calories overnight. We never just, you know, force feed anybody and, and get them to eat more. It's a slow process. It takes a while, but I will say that if you are currently not feeling hungry all day long, you're doing a lot of fasted training, you're eating maybe once or twice a day, you're eating almost zero carbohydrate, you know, anything like that, I know in the bottom of my heart, I don't have to meet you and do an in-depth nutrition analysis to know this. I know that you are not fueling your body adequately. You are not eating enough to support your training. And it's definitely something that if you want to feel better, have more energy, maybe not have gut issues, um, be injury free, run stronger, get faster, you know, improve body composition, and finally maybe see some weight loss too along the way. If these are all the things that you're striving for, then getting your fueling more in line with what you actually need is an important step. Because when we're going down this path of, you know, eating as little as possible and, and really minimizing our calorie intake, our metabolism drops and adjusts to be closer to what we're actually putting in. And so when our metabolism is stifled because we aren't eating enough, we're, we're in a dramatic calorie restriction, then our new baseline for calorie burn is going to be a lot lower. And we want to resolve that, but it doesn't just happen overnight. It is a process. It is something that we have to do slowly and methodically and with intention to get a runner fueling enough and appropriately to support optimal requirements for the training that they're trying to do. It's not always an easy process, not always an easy journey, but it definitely is worth it when we see the performance enhancements and the benefits and, and all of the wonderful things that come along with proper and appropriate fueling. So that is it for today's episode why you might be so hungry, some of the common reasons that you are feeling hungry all the time while you're training. And of course, I hope today I gave you lots of ideas of what you can do about it as well. And then of course, we also went through a little bit of why you might not be feeling hungry at all, whether that is, uh, you know, something that has just come from many, many decades of, of dieting and disconnecting from your hunger signals. Or of course, if we are in that state of low energy availability, 
And that's just been a response to the stress of not fueling appropriately again for some length of time. So if you need help, if you're in a position where you've listened to this episode, you've taken in the information, and you still aren't really sure what to do with all of this, if you still feel like there is more that you want to know, you have more questions, you want to figure out what that appropriate eating plan looks like for you based on your training volume, your requirements, then I would love to connect with you and I would love to help you. There are two different ways that you can do that. The first is in my online program, the Fuel Train Recover Club. So this is an online program. It uh, has a wonderful group aspect to it, but also plenty of one-on-one time and support with me. So when you join the Fuel Train Recover Club, you not only get access to all of my online trainings and modules and our group live coaching calls where it's great, an opportunity to meet some other runners and and get to know other people who are going through the same things that you are. But I also have plenty of opportunities for that one-on-one support and help. Uh, Every week we can get together and chat about what your struggles are. And of course, email and support um, is available as well. I also work with runners one-on-one. So I do have a few different options for working with me one-on-one. And if that is more your speed and you know that you really want that intensive one-on-one work to look very closely at both your nutrition and your training strategies, then you can get more information about that. And of course, the group program as well by visiting www.stephanienacek.com. That's it for this week. And I will see you in next week's episode. Bye for now. The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used or relied upon for the diagnosis or treatment of any health condition. This information does not create a client-practitioner relationship and should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice.